0: So today, you're going to hear from one of our overseers, Pastor Jason, and he comes from Huntsville, Tennessee. Pastor Jason uh, launched Refuge Church six years ago, and they were portable, like we are here today, for about five years. And they just bought a strip club, come on somebody, and turned it into a church. Yes, I love that. I'm serious, it it was called Jimmy's 2, all right? test, test. There we go. I'm back up. Censored. They censored me. (laughs) But really, Refuge Church is just doing an incredible job. They have four campuses. One of those campuses is a campus to those who have dementia and Alzheimer's. And it is incredible. I had an opportunity to lead worship for them before we moved out here to Texas. And, and we, we did some hymns together. And they th- here's the deal. You probably know this about Alzheimer's patients. Sometimes they can forget everything else, but you start singing a song and they'll remember the words to that old hymn. And that was just incredible. And uh, something else about Pastor Jason I love is his heart for outreach. Last weekend, they they gave out over 20,000 pounds of Food in, in the Huntsville area, just ministering to the needs of that community. Yes, that is incredible. Uh, dude used to work in the White House. he has met all kinds of people. I just I could toot his horn all day long, just talk about how awesome he is, But he would just tell you, hey, it's really all God that's what he would tell you. so I 'm so glad that he 's here today, so why don't you help me welcome and let 's honor Pastor Jason Parks. <laughs> What's up City Hope
1: Church? Man, I am so excited to be here with you today. It is an honor and a privilege. And I've just got to tell you, the hospitality that you have shown while we've been here has just been amazing. And I want to thank you. I want to honor Pastor Ben and Annalise. It just seems like yesterday that we coincidentally ran into them at an amusement park in Gulf Shores, Alabama. And while we were there, we just began to talk, and Ben began to share his heart for this church that he wanted to start. Wichita Falls, Texas, and so I had the opportunity early on just to hear this dream and hear this vision that God had given them, and just to see what Jesus has done already in just six months is amazing, and so i honor you. I thank you for your faithfulness, and man, isn't Jesus awesome? I mean, it just it's just amazing to see, and here's the best part. The best is yet to come, Ben. The best is yet to come. This is just the tip of the iceberg of the vision and the dream and all that God wants to do in this place. We we say at Refuge Church, everyone is welcome, and anything is possible. And anything is possible is not a marketing slogan. It is our very heartbeat because the Bible says that with God, guess what? All things are possible. And I'm excited to see what God is going to do in this place today. You see, several years ago, I was working out at the gym. I know you can't really tell, right? I mean, I was working out a little bit. And after I got done working out, I I went, I like to work out in the mornings. It just lets me start my day really good. And so after I got done, I went and hit the showers in the locker room. And so in these showers, there were two sets of curtains. There was a first curtain where you could change, and there was a second curtain where you could take a shower. And so I was in the shower, and I was leathered up, right? TMI, I bought a strip club, okay? And so I was lathered up. It was a good shower. And then I heard something that you do not want to hear when you're in the shower, and that's curtain number one opening up, right? (laughs) Right? And so I yell, hey, because I thought if I just yell loud enough that we'd be good to go, that whoever was on the other side of that curtain would understand that, hey, somebody is in here, don't go any further. And so I didn't hear anything else, and I thought, we're good to go, everything's going to be fine until I saw fingers come around that second set of curtains. And so again, I yelled, hey, thinking that by now, surely, whoever it is will know someone is in the shower. Do not come in until that curtain ripped open. And I went like this, okay? (laughs) I was ready. And it was this little old senior man. And he said, I'm sorry, I don't have my hearing aids in. Can you imagine if I had naked punched an old man? I mean, I can I can see it all over the news. Local pastor naked punches, old man, senior citizen. What's the moral of the story, Jason? Listen, communication is important, right? And just because we think we're communicating doesn't always mean we're communicating. And really, that's what this series, Book of Prayers, is all about. And Pastor Ben has been walking with this, uh, th- this series, Book of Prayers, with you. And we all know it can sometimes be a struggle to know how to pray especially if we have allowed our prayers in our life to become routine. And what Pastor Ben has been teaching you is that the Bible shows us many different prayers. There are many different models for us so that we can learn how to pray effectively. In fact, even Jesus' early disciples said, Lord, teach us how to pray. They were with him every day, and they didn't know how to pray. But this morning, with Pastor Ben's permission... Instead of teaching you through a prayer, I believe that God would have us look at an encounter that three people had with Jesus in Luke chapter 8. Because what I have found more and more in my ministry is that people, not necessarily it's that they don't want to pray, but people are not sure if their struggles matter to God. And so if we don't have the correct view of God, if we don't understand who God is, then we won't pray if we don't believe that God cares about us and wants to know what's going on in our life. And so in Luke chapter 8, we see this story of a man named Jairus. And Jairus was the leader of a synagogue. He was the Jewish leader in a community. We think the community is Magdala in Israel And Jairus came to Jesus, and the Bible says he actually fell at Jesus' feet. The leader of the Jewish synagogue fell at Jesus' feet, and he said, Teacher, my 12-year-old daughter is ill, and she is going to die. I need you to come to my house. And so Jesus says, Come on. Let's go. Let's do this. And we pick up in verse 43, and we see what happened after Jesus began to go to Jairus' house. The Bible says a woman in the crowd who had suffered for 12 years with constant bleeding and she could find no cure. Coming up from behind Jesus, she touched the fringe of his robe and immediately the bleeding stopped. Who touched me? Jesus asked, now, this is pretty funny because we see that he was in a crowd. There were people everywhere. This was probably one of those market days. It's like going to a concert and you're just shoulder to shoulder with people. Have you been there and you're sweaty and you're nasty and you're pushing through the crowd and there's people everywhere and Jesus says, who touched me? And Peter's like, Jesus, come on. Everybody's touching you, right? Everybody's touching you, Jesus. Master, this whole crowd is pressing up against you. Peter had this ability to just open his mouth and insert his foot all the time. We see throughout scripture. But Jesus said, Someone deliberately touched me, for I felt the healing power go out from me. When the woman realized that she could not stay hidden, She began to tremble and fell to her knees in front of him. The whole crowd, listen, the whole crowd heard her explain why she had touched him and that she had been immediately healed. Daughter, he said to her, your faith has made you well. Go in peace. Now, what's really important in these verses is that by reading these verses, we can see Five details about this woman's life. We see that she was physically weak. I say that because she was most likely anemic. She was fatigued. She was unhealthy. She had been constantly bleeding for 12 years without stopping. She may even have been experiencing chronic pain. She was weak. And maybe you're here this morning. And you know what it feels like to be weak. You know what it feels like to be sick. You know what it feels like to be ill. Maybe you're here this morning and this week you received a diagnosis that you were not expecting. Maybe someone in your family is walking through a health situation. Maybe it's cancer. Maybe it's Alzheimer's. Maybe it's whatever it is. You understand what it feels like to be ill and be physically weak. The Bible also says that she was financially drained. In fact, some translations say that she spent all she had trying to find a cure. And so here's this woman who has been bleeding for 12 years and she spent all the money she had on doctors. Who's gone? Nothing helped. The money was gone. She had nothing left. She was desperate. And maybe you're here this morning and you know what that feels like. You know what it feels like to be financially drained. You know what it feels like to not know how you're gonna pay your next bill. You know what it feels like to not even know how you're gonna feed your family because there are people in this community and communities all over our country and all over our world that are in that exact situation right now. They're there. Pastor Ben told you we gave away 20,000 pounds of food last weekend. It's the second time we've done that this year. And earlier this year, we did it in February and we gave away another 20,000 pounds of food and it was during the government shutdown and we literally had FBI agents And engineers from NASA. I don't know if you know it or not, but all missile defense in our country is based in Huntsville. The rednecks got the missiles. Can I get an amen? (laughs) We got them. You good, okay? We don't mind pressing that red button, right? We'll do it. Come at me, bro. That's, I mean, that's how we, but Pastor, I've never had to do this before. never had to come and get food for my family before but maybe you're here and you understand what it feels like to be financially drained we also know that she was socially outcast because the old testament gives laws regarding women and menstruation and we see that women in this jewish culture could not be around other people if they were bleeding And so, for 12 years, this woman was socially outcast. She could not be around friends. She could not be around family. She was alone. She was lonely. And maybe you're here this morning and you know what that feels like. Because we know we can be sitting in a room full of 250 people and we can feel alone. Maybe you don't feel like you have any friends. Maybe you don't feel like you have anyone to connect you. That's why small groups are important, right, Annalise? Because that's where church becomes home and people become family. But she was alone. And maybe you know what it feels like to be lonely. She was spiritually rejected. Because those same Jewish laws rendered her unclean, which means she could not participate in any religious ritual. She could not participate in worship. She could not go to synagogue. She could not worship God because she was considered unclean and she was spiritually rejected. Maybe you're here this morning and you know what it feels like to be spiritually rejected. Maybe you know what it feels like to walk in a church And not be wanted because of the way that you dress, or because of your past, or because you have a a tattoo. You, You know what that feels like for somebody to reject you. And it's so awesome that everyone is welcome here in this place because church hurt is a real thing. And there are real people all around that are dealing with spiritual rejection. We also know that she was emotionally distressed. Imagine her horror. After she had snuck through the crowd, she had accomplished her task. She melted back into the crowd and Jesus turns around and says, hey, who touched me? The reason that the writer says the woman came in fear and trembling is that she had done something that was unconscionable. She approached a holy person willfully, knowingly, and in the middle of her impurity and according to the rituals of purity, she would have rendered the person unclean. She had been exposed in the middle of this embarrassing, shameful act. And the law said that she could be killed For everybody. She could have been stoned for what she did. Maybe you're here today. And you know what it feels like to be ill or financially drained or socially and spiritually rejected or maybe you're here and you are emotionally distressed this morning. Maybe you are going through things in your life that people should not have to go through. Maybe you're dealing with anxiety and fear and depression. Maybe you're just at the end of your rope. Maybe you have been dealing with a spirit of suicide in your life. You know what it feels like to be emotionally distressed but maybe maybe just maybe you think that God doesn't care maybe you think if God really cared he would not have allowed this to happen in the first place right God, if you really care about me like you say you do, why am I having to walk through this? Why am I having to experience this? Why am I having to deal with this? And here's what's amazing about God. In these same verses, we see Jesus' response to this woman. And Jesus responds to us the same way he responded to this woman. If you're taking notes, you have to understand that Jesus, he has enough time for you. Jesus has enough time for you. Think about this. The leader of the synagogue, the most important person in the entire community fell at his feet, Jesus' feet, and said, Jesus, my daughter is dying. I need you to come to my house right now. And as Jesus pressed through the crowd, this woman comes up from behind. She reaches out and touches the fringe of his garment and everything stops and focuses on her. Can you imagine being Jairus over here? Jesus, come on. Have you ever been there? Jesus, hurry up. Jesus, what I'm going through is more important than she's bleeding. My daughter is dying. Jesus had enough time for both of them. And so when she came up from behind and touched The fringe of his robe immediately, the bleeding stopped. They began to carry on this conversation. And I look at this, and this is so convicting to me. Because several years ago, before I went into ministry full-time, I worked in hospital marketing and administration. And so my office was across the street from the main hospital. And from time to time, the CEO of the hospital would call a meeting. And when the CEO called a meeting, you got there and you got there quick, right? And I remember walking to this meeting and walking across the street and I passed by the emergency room. And when I was passing by the emergency room, there was a woman and she was sitting on the sidewalk and she was sobbing. She was crying her eyes out. And for a moment I stopped and I said, ma'am, are you okay? This was her response. She said, no, no. Today is the worst day I have ever experienced. And my response, listen, this was my response. I said, ma'am, I'm sorry. And I kept on walking. Kept on walking. Because I had to get to my meeting. Do you remember the story of the Good Samaritan? I was the priest. I was the Levite. I thought what I had going on was more important than what she had going on. And I walked on by And that haunts me because I don't know what happened to her. I don't know if someone passed away. I don't know if she just received a diagnosis. I don't know. I missed an opportunity for ministry there that I will never get back because I did not have enough time for that woman. But I tell you something, Jesus, Jesus has enough time for you. And it doesn't matter what it is, how big it is, or, or even how small it is. Uh, at the end of our services on Sunday morning at Refuge, we have a time of prayer. And a few weeks ago, we really felt like God was telling us to pray over people for healing. And what was amazing to me, over 20 people came down for prayer for healing. But what broke my heart was the 12 more later in the week that said, I wanted to come. But I was afraid what I was going through wasn't, just wasn't as bad as what they were going through. I just didn't know if Jesus had enough time for me since he was helping all of them. It doesn't matter what it is. It doesn't matter how insignificant you think it is in your life. Jesus has enough time for you. He loves you more than you can imagine. He wants that relationship with you. And the other thing about Jesus is you have to understand that he is always right on time. Not only does he have enough time for you, he is always right on time. You see, Jairus could not see that. I can't imagine, as a father of three kids myself, I cannot imagine what he was thinking. Was he stopping his foot? Was he pacing? Was he getting angry? I don't know. But what we're gonna find out in just a moment is that Jesus Christ is always right on time. And his timing is better than we could ever understand or than we could ever imagine or contemplate. But the second thing we see is that Jesus, he has enough power for you. Jesus has enough power for you In verse 46, Jesus said, someone deliberately touched me for I felt the healing power go out from me. That's what I love about Jesus. All she had to do was get to him. All she had to do was reach out to him and touch him. And he had enough power for her In her situation. And Jesus has enough power for you. It doesn't matter how big it is. It doesn't matter how bad the cancer is. It doesn't matter how much money. You don't have in your bank account. Jesus. He has enough power for you. Whatever situation or circumstance. That's going on in your life. The power is there. Seven years ago. One of my best friends in the world. Had her fourth child and we had worked together in marketing and management for years actually when we started Refuge Church she was on our staff for a season and I'll never forget after she had her child I wanted to go and see him and so she invited me she owned a business in Huntsville and she said hey come down Come hang out one morning. We'll grab coffee and you'll get to meet him. His name is Kingston. And so I went down that morning about 11 a.m. And I went to her office and we sat down and we began to talk and we began to share. I told her what God was doing in my life. She told me what God was doing in her life. And all of a sudden, I will never forget, I will never in my life forget the scream. The scream as she jumped up and ran out of her office and ran into the back parking lot. And I just went after her because I didn't know what was going on. And as we got to her car, that newborn baby had been in there for over three hours. Ninety-eight degrees outside that day. She got on a phone call. She was a CEO. She wasn't in her routine. And I'll never forget her pulling that lifeless body out of that car seat. No sweat. Just limp. And it was those moments that you didn't even know what to do. Your head says, call 911. Your heart says, it's not going to make any difference. And she turned to me with tears in her eyes and she just handed me the baby. I didn't know what to do. I wasn't even a pastor yet. But I prayed. Honestly, I don't even know what I prayed. God, if you're who you say you are, this baby wake up. And he did. He began to cough and he began to cry. I just threw it. We, we just got in my truck and we just took off to the emergency room. And I knew what was about to happen. I knew DHR was about to show up. And I knew the police were about to show up. And my heart was broken for my friend. until she called as I sat in the parking lot and she said, Jason, she said, the doctor has examined the baby and he refuses to believe that the child was left in a car. He said, there's nothing wrong. There is nothing wrong with my child. Jesus has enough power for you. Doesn't matter what it is, he has power for you. If Jesus Christ, listen, if Jesus Christ can raise himself from the dead, he can speak life into your situation. Then, thirdly, we see that Jesus. He has enough compassion for you. Jesus has enough compassion for you. Even though this woman had done something that she should not have done, even though she could have been killed, she could have been stoned on the spot, Jesus' response, he didn't call her woman. He didn't call her by her name. He said, daughter. Daughter. Your faith has made you well. Go in peace. And, and so we say, well, what kind of faith did she have? She was desperate. Nothing else had worked. But she had heard about this God-man Jesus. She had heard about the miracles that he was doing all over the place. And she knew, if I could just reach out, Hallelujah. if I could just touch him. Here's what's amazing. The Bible says that she touched the what? The fringe of his robe. It's important. Because Jewish rabbis, they would wear these prayer cloths. They were long and they were beautiful and they had tassels on the end. Do you know what the tassel symbolized? The tassel symbolized the rabbi's authority. She wasn't just touching Jesus. She was grabbing onto the authority of Jesus Christ. And she's saying, Jesus, by your authority, I know that I can be healed. She was helpless. But she knows she had to get to Jesus and some of you are here today and you were dealing with health issues. You feel like a social outcast. You're in a spiritual rut, a spiritual funk. You're paralyzed by fear and worry and anxiety and depression. Maybe you're a student here and your parents are getting a divorce. Maybe your family is struggling for money. Maybe you're here and you've been cutting yourselves or you even think the world would be better off without you. And you are stuck because you believe a law, a law straight from the pit of hell that says that God will not give you more than you can handle. Listen, God will give you more than you can handle so you can turn it back over to him and let him handle it. He has compassion for you. He loves you more than you could ever imagine. But here's the beautiful thing. The story's not done yet. And after Jesus ministers to this woman, he turns to Jairus and they continue on to his house. And one of Jairus's servants came. He said, "Master, don't bother the teacher anymore. Your daughter's dead." Can you imagine? Jesus, have you just been there? Jesus. If you just would have came on with me. 12-year-old daughter dead. Jesus said, she's not dead, she's just asleep. And they had to thought, Jesus, you are crazy. Because when Jesus rolled up to the house, The Bible says that people already had begun to gather around the house and they were mourning. Jewish mourning was very public, public crying, public wailing. People had already gathered at the house, and as they walked into the house, Jesus told the crowd again, He said, Listen, she's not dead, she's just asleep. And the Bible says that the people there laughed at him. Jesus, you're crazy. The Bible says that Jesus went up into the little girl's room, and he said in Aramaic, "Talitha cum," little girl, get up. And guess what happened? She got up. She got up. How old was Jairus's daughter? How long had this woman been bleeding? 12 years, have you ever considered that maybe, just maybe, 12 years before, this woman started bleeding and suffering because there would be a day when a dad would need to see someone healed right before his eyes so that he could have the faith that his own daughter would be raised from the dead. Maybe you're here today you're struggling, you're suffering. And it's natural, your prayer has been, God, take away the pain. Maybe today you need to change the prayer. God, would you show me the purpose of my pain? Because every mess becomes ministry every test becomes testimony when we turn it over to the power of Jesus. Ephesians 3.20 says, Now all glory to God, who is able through his mighty power at work within us to accomplish infinitely more than we might ask or think. we may not always understand what God is doing in our life. But we can trust him. Even when we don't understand the pain, even when we don't understand the process, we can say, God, I trust you. I didn't teach you a prayer today. I taught you a posture. A posture of heart and spirit. Some of you are here and you don't know what to pray. That's okay. She didn't either. He didn't either. I know I have times in my life where I don't know what to pray. But I do know this. If I can just get to Jesus, if I can just get under His authority, the Bible actually says that the Holy Spirit of God will pray on your behalf. Even when you don't know what to pray, the Spirit of God is praying for you. The perfect prayer. He loves you. He loves you. He adores you. And he really does care. But maybe you're here today and there's something even more important that we need to deal with. Maybe you're here today and what I'm about to say next, maybe this is the very reason that you were in this room this morning. This is why you got up. This is why you came. This is why you accepted the invitation of a friend. Dear hear that God does love you. God loves you so much that even though our relationship with him was broken, what do you mean, Jason? The Bible says in Genesis that Adam and Eve They got selfish. They decided they wanted to do their own thing. They decided they wanted to do their life their own way. They disobeyed God. And the moment they did that, sin entered the world. And the world was broken. And our relationship with God was broken. And from then on, every human being that was ever born was born with a sin nature. We were enemies of God. We were far from him. We had no relationship with him, and we were destined for a real place called hell. But the Bible says in John three sixteen, but God, but God so loved the world, but God so loved you, that he gave his one and only son, Jesus Christ, that whosoever believes in him, anyone, Anyone. It doesn't matter the color of your skin. It doesn't matter how much money you make. It doesn't matter where you were born. It doesn't matter what you've done. Anyone who believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life, a home in heaven with God when you die. But even cooler than that, Heaven takes up residence in your life. And there's no hard work you can do to get to God. God's already done the hard work for you. It's a free gift, but we have to receive it. So maybe you're here today and you know. I have no peace with God. I don't know what would happen to me when I die. I I have no purpose. I have no plan. I have no forgiveness in my life. If you will decide today, if you will decide today, that Jesus Christ is going to be your Lord, your CEO, the boss of your life. If you believe in your heart that Jesus lived a perfect life, he died on a cross, but he didn't stay dead. He rose again. He's still alive today, and he's still changing lives. You'll be saved. You'll be rescued. You will be forgiven. You will find freedom. You will be redeemed. You will be changed. You will have a brand new life today. But it's a decision that only you can make. And So this morning, I'm not going to call anybody out. I'm not going to call people up front. We're not going to take people to back rooms and ask some uncomfortable questions. We're not doing any of that here. But I just want to ask everyone in this room just to bow your head and close your eyes. Nobody's looking around so that people can deal with God today. And if that's you, if you say, Jason, I need Jesus to be my Lord today, all I want to ask you to do is slip your hand up right now so I can pray for you. When I say three, just slip your hand up. One, two, three. Awesome. I see you. I see you in the back. Amen. I see you over there. I see you, ma'am, in the middle. I see you, bud, in the back. Anybody else? I don't want to pressure you. I'm just inviting you today to Jesus. This is what I want to ask you to do. If that was you, even if you didn't lift your hand, I ask you to pray this with me. You can just pray it to yourself. You don't have to pray it out loud. God can hear even our silent prayers this morning. And you say, God, today I realize I'm a sinner. I've been doing my own thing. I've been doing life my own way. I need a savior and today God I believe that savior is Jesus I believe Jesus died on a cross I believe he rose again and I believe he did it for me so God would you forgive me would you change me thank you for my brand new life. Jesus, you are my Lord, and I love you. And it's in your name I pray, and all God's people say, amen. City Hope Church, let's celebrate what Jesus did in this place.